Welcome to Moving Up the Ladder. I'm Tim Muma. Today on LJN Radio, we crunch some numbers related to retirement planning and showing you how waiting really can set you back a ton. And here to fill us in is Rick Martin. Rick is a senior financial planner for Zarka Financial, and we're happy to have him on the show today. Thanks for joining us, Rick. Well, thank you, Tim. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your listeners about saving for retirement. Yeah, and that is a popular topic that we hear from people now and again. And obviously, you can read tons of stuff out there, but I'm glad we can have a true expert on, hopefully give our listeners some insight into this topic specifically. I guess the place to start really for anybody who might be thinking about this or wondering about retirement is how soon should people truly start saving for that retirement? Well, Tim, I think it's never too early to start saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is uh, we save for a lot of things in our life, probably more, you know, we probably should save for more than we actually do. Right. The The best strategy would be to actually, what, save all the money for to buy your car <laughs> or, you know, it's kind of hard to save all the money to buy your house, but, uh, or save the money to uh, pay for a vacation or mm-hmm. a major appliance or something. But, and of course, it's it's kind of overwhelming to think about saving entirely for retirement. But if you can get started early and let the power of compound earnings work for you, then that's really to your advantage. So I don't, I don't really think it's ever too early to get started. Sure. As you alluded to there, uh, there are some reasons why getting started so early does matter. But are there other important reasons that you would say it's vital to get that early start as opposed to waiting till maybe you see sort of the end of your career coming up? Well, absolutely. Because the reality is, a lot of people do wait, kind of what you're inferring to is that I like to say that people start seeing the little R in their rearview mirror, you, know, you <laughs> kind of look in there and you say, Why, what's that little R? And then it kind of gets bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden you find yourself in your fifties or late fifties and you say, oh my gosh, that's retirement is coming up on me and right. I haven't really paid enough attention to it. So the reality is, and let me give you a, a numbers example real sure. quick, because if, if you were 60 years old, a couple 60 years old, and let's say they sit down with me and I say, boy, you really need to save a couple $100,000 more for your retirement to really make it comfortable for mm-hmm. you. They would have to save almost $3,000 a month for the next five years if they earn just 5%, which is a reasonable figure, just to save that $200,000. Wow. On the other hand, if you had uh, a couple that was 40 years old and they were retiring 25 years and we had that same conversation, mm-hmm. they'd only have to put about $336 a month away, earning that still that 5% to sure. get that 200000 so, you know, you tell me, I mean, it's a lot more palatable, I think, if I told you today as a 40-year-old, just, you know, try and put away $336 away a month and just keep doing that and just set it aside and forget about it and invest it versus, boy, you're coming up on retirement and gosh, you, you better put another $3,000 a month away for the next five years in order to have a comfortable retirement. You know, you tell me which would, you know, you'd feel more comfortable with. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty easy decision and, uh, you know, not necessarily something difficult to worry about. At the same time, it seems like people do procrastinate. They, they do wait, as you said, I like your uh, illustration there of that R word coming up behind them in the rearview mirror. Why is it that people still struggle with this and, and procrastinate in terms of their actual retirement savings? Because, you know, it is a little R in the rearview mirror. I mean, you get busy. I mean, you're, yeah. you're a young guy. I mean, you know, if you're young, you're married, you maybe have young kids, you want to, you know, upgrade your house, you want to buy a nice car, you want to go on nice vacations, you're thinking about college, education for them. You know, you, you come up with all these other things that seem more current in your life. And then a financial planner comes along and says, hey, Tim, you really ought to be thinking about retirement. You're going, think about retirement. You know, I'm busy with my career. Right. You know, I got my kids to raise. I'm, you know, I'm still having a lot of fun. 
you know, I really don't want to focus on that right now. So I think a lot of people put it off into the future until all of a sudden it doesn't feel like it's in the future anymore. <laughs> you know, it's right around the corner. And, and that's why I said, you know, it's, it's usually a, a, an interesting conversation. And I think, you know, like I gave you numbers before that, that helps illustrate it, but still it's very difficult to get people to focus on something that's, you know, maybe 20, 25, 30 years out, 40 years out in front of them. Sure. Well, with that in mind, uh, we, of course, want to help our listeners as much as we can. And obviously, everybody's situation is going to be different. But what are some basic ways that people can begin to save? Maybe they're just getting started. Maybe they're not really sure what they can do or what their options are. What would you give to kind of those beginner or novice individuals who are looking to start saving for retirement? Absolutely. And and hands down, the most popular way and probably the easiest way to save for retirement is to uh, join a 401k plan, which is offered by most employers. I know that's not, you know, everybody doesn't have that opportunity, Mm -hmm. but if you do, you should absolutely use that vehicle. And if they provide a match on top of it, so if you put in uh, usually it'll be something like they'll pay they'll they'll match fifty percent of your contribution up to five or six percent. So mm-hmm. if you put in six percent and they'll match fifty percent, they'll add another three percent. So you're already up fifty percent in the you know before you've even invested. Right. Because you put six in, they added three. So that's the biggest no brainer. But you know a lot of folks you know don't do that or they might not have that opportunity at their employer. But but if they do, I think that's that's really valuable. Again, just if you don't mind throw some numbers at you no, definitely. if you're making about if you're making like 50 grand and the employer is going to match 50% up to your 6% then if you put in that 6% that's 3 grand a year right about $250 a month so that again that earlier example that sounds like a pretty reasonable figure it's all pre-tax so again actually it's as far as take home it's probably a little less than $200 that you're giving up from your paycheck mm-hmm. to put $250 in and then they're going to put another 125 in on top of that. So if you do that for the next 10 years, never change it. Just keep doing the 250 and they match uh, 50%. You made 5%. You're going to have 58 grand in your 401k in 10 years. So again, wow. it's kind of a it's kind of a no brainer and and it's something that if you do it, you you start to build that balance up and, and it's and it's it's not quite a I wouldn't say it's addicting, but but you feel better about it. You know, I mean, kind of like you're pretty impressed in hearing those numbers from me today. If you if you were halfway through, and you, of course you wouldn't have quite half of that fifty eight thousand, but if after five years you've got you know maybe twenty twenty five thousand dollars in there, you'd probably feel pretty good, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I, and yeah, I can see how you say it's almost like it is addictive. Kind of like people who are exercising, trying to lose weight. You lose that first five. Exactly. You start seeing the muscles building. You're like, wow, I, I really need to keep this up. So I think that's a yeah. great, I think it's a great, great analogy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Great analogy. <laughs> are there any other ways that people can possibly invest or save that maybe, uh, yeah, again, if they don't have that 401k or they're just looking to do something else on their own? Absolutely. The, um, especially for young folks, I like to recommend something uh, called a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Sure. A Roth IRA is a tax-deferred account, so you put in after-tax dollars. You don't get a company match, but the real advantage of it, and I'm sure you're aware of it, but maybe you're not your listeners, is that all of the, it's tax-deferred, so all the gains grow tax-deferred, but the real kicker is when you go to take the money out, and of course, you can actually get to it earlier than 59 and a half technically, but there's a penalty to try and discourage mm-hmm. you from doing this, but when you do go to take the money out, it all comes out tax-free. Oh, nice. 
that's just an unbelievable advantage. Some people are, you know, shocked that the government actually allows something like that to go on. But <laughs> and and the, and the real advantage, like we just were talking about before, is the younger you are that you get started, the more that you can use the compound earnings to build up that balance. So if you put ten grand in and it grew to fifteen, you'd take the five out tax free. Wow, you know that's nice, but not great. Mm-hmm. What if you put ten grand in and it grew to, you know, let's say fifty, sixty, eighty, even a hundred thousand dollars? And you got ninety thousand dollars of gains tax free. I mean, there's no vehicle in the world today that would allow you to get that kind of gain tax free. So that's that's a huge one. And you don't have to be tied in with an employer. The other advantage of being for a young person is that there are income limits. So if you start to make a certain amount of higher income, you can get you know lose the uh, eligibility and you wouldn't be able to contribute to it. Sure. Well, it's definitely some good insight for our listeners. As you said, uh, you know, some people might not know the details. They haven't looked into it much. So I hope this can at least help maybe foster their curiosity a little bit and get them started earlier like we've been talking about. Now, I'm sure some people listening are going to think, well, I save money. I throw it into a savings account and it's, it's fine there, I think. It's been building slowly but surely. Uh, why would you argue that that's not enough or maybe it is or just what's your overall take on general savings versus actually investing into something? Right. So that's an excellent question too, because of course, um, you know, talk of the town right now is the uh, U.S. stock market, the right. S&P 500, and the Dow Jones sending new records. Nasdaq just came back from a 15-year previous high. So you know, everybody's, uh, you know, boy, I should get in there. I should get in there. Well, now's not necessarily the time you <laughs> want to get in there when it's at its peak, especially for somebody that may have had some money, you know, sitting in a savings account and saying, boy, I'm not making anything, because of course, savings account interest rates. I think somebody was telling me that they found one for 1% right now, which Oof. is, um, you know, high, which, you know, is shocking to, especially, you know, when we, you're talking to young folks, think if you're retired, you're retired and you want to have some, you know, money that's protected. And it used to be you could get four or 5%, 6% without too much trouble. Now you're barely able to get 1% and you want to live on, you know, those earnings. So, so it is tough, and uh, but but typically, Tim, you know what I find is people that that put money into savings like that, they aren't real anxious to kind of put it out in the stock market and take some chances with that. Mm-hmm. There is a definite balance, and what I do with my folks is I sit down and try and work out with them uh, an overall. I don't like to use allocations, kind of a you know buzzword for us, but right. a, uh, a balance between stocks and bonds that will allow them to have some exposure to the stock market, but not subject the whole their whole savings to something that, that could drop in value. And, and, and so that, that's the key. But, but I'll tell you, the other side of this is if you have somebody, if you have listeners out there that are saying, well, you know, I don't trust the market at all, so I'm going to leave all my money in savings because I can't lose anything. Well, you can lose the game a little bit just by not being in something that earns more than what's referred to as inflation. Right. Good old inflation. <laughs> and the reality of inflation is that, you know, those of us that grew up many years ago, you know, gas was, you know, below 50 cents many, many years ago. A lot of you young folks probably never heard that. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away my, uh, my total age and tell no, you how no. cheap gas was when I first started <laughs> driving. But, but, you know, it's amazing, um, you know, and you can go to milk or you could go to, you know, ice cream cones at Dairy Queen. I mean, you know, everything goes up over time. Well, that price increase is referred to technically as inflation. So the problem with inflation versus savings is inflation historically has gone up around 3% on average. It's currently lower than that, probably somewhere around 2 
Okay. So if you're earning, if you put all your money in a savings account or a CD, whatever, and you're making around 1% on it right now, and inflation's going up at two, and maybe it's going to pop back up to three at some point in the future, your purchasing power is being eroded by that. So a cup of coffee today that's a dollar, it's going to be a dollar twenty five years from now. But if your dollar invested only goes up to a dollar ten in that five year period, mm-hmm. you're losing ground on your ability to support your lifestyle in retirement. I think that's a great example. I think it's good to give people that sort of daily reminder, uh, you know, comparing it to a cup of coffee or, or something that they actually do utilize. I think that's a great way to look at it. So, and again, if people listening aren't still quite aren't sure, uh, you know, what to do or they don't get all of it. We, of course, do encourage you to reach out to a financial planner and help you out with those situations as well. If, uh, if not Zarka Financial, somebody maybe locally compared to you. Uh, I did want to ask in, in terms of you know, savings obviously being important, but how about monitoring what's happening with it, the progress? Uh, how, why is that important? How can people do that to make sure that things are going the way they like them to and that in the end it is going to pay off for them? Well, that's a good question too, because there's folks I'll, that I'll meet with um, kind of for the first time. Because once once I start meeting with them, we usually meet pretty regularly, uh, typically on a six month basis, okay. kind of like the dentist. You know, on your way out, we set up your next six month appointment to try and keep the conversation going. You know, whether it's positive or you know a little more critical. But I'd like to continue to have that dialogue. You know, restructuring the portfolio due to market conditions is is a really critical piece of the puzzle, and so. If you don't check in on a periodic basis, then you can lose that opportunity. And I also think that you know one of the other things that, that has taken place recently is the stock market's been in the six-plus-year growth pattern, and bonds have been pretty flat. Mm-hmm. So the reality is, no matter what your balance between stocks and bonds were, now what's happened is the stock portion has grown, where the bond portion has stayed pretty flat. So what you want to do in a rebalance situation is say, let's take some of those gains off the stock portion of your portfolio and reinvest it back into the the fixed income or bond side, because at some point there's, you know, the the stock market is going to pull back and then the bond market is going to start to take off. So if you're having a periodic conversation with uh, your advisor or taking a look at your uh, investments, then you can kind of keep all that in check. Rick, I think you brought us some excellent stuff, some really good examples as well to help people maybe connect the dots a little bit. And of course, uh, just having your expertise, I think does help all of our listeners. So thank you very much for coming on and sharing with us today. I appreciate that. I I believe that uh, saving for retirement and starting as soon as you can is is critical to a plan. And a lot of what I do with my clients is focused on retirement, no matter what age. So for all your listeners, if they want to review their plan or have me help them get one started, go to Zarka website, zarkafinancial.com. My number's on the site. Just give me a call and let's get started. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again, Rick. Okay. Thanks, Tim. That will do it for us on this edition of Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation with Rick Martin as we broke down retirement planning and how getting an early start really is going to help you out in the long run. If you have any feedback about this show or any of our episodes, you can send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, find us at the LJN, and you can find all of our shows on iTunes. If you're curious, just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.